Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So when I was beginning my ministry, I had a friend who was helping me learn how to do pastoral things. You know, there's a lot of little things and nuances of things you don't really think about in pastoral work. And one of them is weddings. You, you'd assume that you'd learn that in seminary, but you actually don't. So my friend who was a pastor was teaching me like how the nuances of how to do a wedding. And he started telling me this story. He told me this story that he had this young couple that he had been mentoring and, and this is their big day. And you go through all of the, the details and all the work that goes into it. And he was explaining the story. He said, so then something happened. He went up and was finishing up the, like the sermon part of it and then went into the ending. And you've all been to weddings, so we know how the ending goes. You know, it's the affirmation of the vows. And then you'll hear something like this, like, by the power vested in me by the state of Wisconsin, or because you affirmed your vows in front of us all here. Those kind of things. You've heard that before. And then the key statement, I now pronounce you man and wife. So my friend, something happened and his wires crossed. So he goes through all of this and he gets to the part where I now pronounce you man and wife. And he says, you know, the power vested in me by the state of Wisconsin. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so you can imagine how that went. Like, just like, <laughs> everyone starts laughing. And the couple is like laughing. And he's just sitting there because he didn't really know what he said. Do you know what I mean? You've had those times before. And so he didn't really know what he said. And then it hit. And he said that feeling of like what he had just done. Now, here's this couple's most important day of their life, right? Like they've been waiting their whole life for this moment and he just botched it. I mean, he just blew it out of the water and he was so embarrassed, so embarrassed. And of course he said, you know, it was fine because it was funny and, and people were fine, but he just, I just feel terrible about that. Like this is, this is their day and I can't undo it, it's done. Words are like that, right? Like we say something and like it floats out in the air and you just wish you could like grab it and put it back into your mouth, but you can't. And what we're left with is regret. Just the regret of knowing that we had really done damage and or really ruined something. We just get left with this super heavy weight. Regret. Again, that's a jovial one, but, but you and I, we have regret. We have regret about a lot of different things because in our regret, we sit and hold something to our past, but there's nothing that can really change it. There's nothing to be done. It's there, it's done. And so maybe you made a choice in like 2023, you wish that you could change. Like last year, 2023, I just wish I could go back and redo that. Maybe something small, right? You can kind of move on. Like, I wish I would ate better and ate better food and I worked out more. And so then we start our new year and we start all of these new resolutions for the purpose of this. I want to maybe change some small things and I have a little regret I didn't take care of myself, right? But really, there's bigger, deeper things that we've done that we regret. 
there could be some things that are so deep and so damaging and we don't really want to explore it. In fact, most of the times we just stuff those down and don't ever talk about it. Listen to this key statistic. In 2011, a study in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin said this. It revealed that 90% of adults, 90% have deep regrets about their lives and that the more they dwell on it, the worse their quality of life tends to get. Did you catch that last bit? 90% have deep regrets about something and it makes their life worse. Their quality of life is worse when we dwell on it. I'm assuming you have some regrets. I do. I mean, there are things, I'm like, if I could go back in time, I would do it all over again. And what's interesting about being around youth and working in youth sports is that it just kind of takes you back to your time, right? You just naturally start to think about, hey, how was I when I was in high school? And like, we all say to ourselves, uh, those of us who are a little older, that is, uh, if I could go back in time and know what I know now, if I could go back in time and redo high school, oh my gosh, I would do everything totally different, right? Maybe a couple of things would be the same, but my attitude would be different. My approach would be different. My choices would be different. And the things that I regret in my past, I wouldn't repeat. But we can't go back in time. It's just like a made-up fantasy that we talk about from time to time. We can't go back in time, and there's nothing we can do about it. So, so now we sit here in the present, but we are dwelling on things that we have so much pain from or we have hurt people or whatever our story is in the past that now it's changing and rooting our life going forward. Regret is ruining or making our quality of life, not necessarily ruling, but ruining like our quality of life, going forward because we are sitting in the past. Maybe you understand a little more clearly if I give a couple examples. Maybe you did something like lying um, or going on social media or doing things that like were damaging in your work, okay? Those are ones where you feel bad for a while and then you tend to get over it and you're like, ah, well, I should have done that and say you're sorry, move on. What about those really deep, dark ones? The really, the ones that, hurt really bad. The ones where you ruined, in your opinion, you ruined someone's life, like you broke somebody. Those are hard. Those are really hard. Knowing that you have really damaged somebody's life, how do you get over that? Uh, the other piece, maybe our regret comes from places of things we did not do, did not do. Bronnie Ware is a caregiver, spent a lot of time uh, this, this woman spent a lot of time in caregiving with patients who are on their deathbed. And here's the top five regrets she has in her book, Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She says this, top five. See if you can relate to this. One, working too hard. Spending your life working, 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 working. It's the top regret. Two, not expressing their feelings. Feeling bottled up. Not being honest. Like not being honest about your life or your desires or like just not being honest how you feel about things. Three, not staying in touch with friends. Four, not letting themselves be happy. And five, not being courageous enough, courageous enough to live true to themselves. Five top regrets of someone who is dying. Regrets. I sit at the end and I didn't do anything. Or regrets, right? 
like in, in my age now, and at this age, I can't do things I could when I was 18 years old. I mean, I can't even shovel without being sore anymore. Like, my goodness. And so we have regrets like because we can't go back and do what we wanted to do. Not doing something can leave us with regrets as well. It comes in many forms. And it impacts us in so many ways. But today, we need to explore the truth about regret. We need to release the things of our past to accept the forgiveness of today. Let me say that again. You need to release the things of our past to accept the forgiveness of today. If God is in work in us and through us, what does he have for us when we have all this past that just feels at times almost unforgivable? Maybe forgivable, but we can't get over it. This is so incredibly hard because regrets can weigh us down and really break our hearts. So we're gonna take a look today in Acts chapter 26, nine to 11. If you have your Bible, Bible apps, uh, Acts 26, 9 to 11. This is the Apostle Paul. And this is a key passage from the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul is someone that we hold really high in, in Christianity. He is wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, he has so many works. He's the first church planner. So, hey, I like him, right? First church planner. He's out there. He's spreading the gospel. We know him as this amazing man. The truth is he has a terrible, terrible past. Listen to this. Acts chapter 26, verses 9 to 11. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to the, oppose the name of Jesus in Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that even hunted them down in foreign cities. One person who had to let go of regret is the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy, and we know him as Apostle Paul, before that, he was a Pharisee, and so he's a teacher and holder of the Jewish law, and, and he's a son of a Pharisee. So his job is to literally make sure that the word of God to every degree is being held. And very clearly, anyone who says that they are the son of God, that's blaspheme, right? unless he really was the Messiah. So Paul was waiting for the Messiah. The, everybody was waiting for the Savior to come. Some just didn't believe it was Jesus. And so he, Paul, wrote, grew up under the Jewish law. He was trained under the, one of the most famous Pharisees of all time, no Gamaliel. And so he would make sense if his passion and his zealousness for stopping this new random cult movement, they called them the way back then, the way, this cult movement, he's got to nip this in the bud. And so what he's doing is he's going around trying to find out who is connected to this new Christian movement. Wow. I mean, think of this, dude, he's a bounty hunter. Like his, he is a Jewish bounty hunter and he's bounty hunting all this new movement or this new group of people that are following this Jesus of Nazareth. Now he believed that all these people were blaspheming his God and that they were blaspheming and that was his job is to stop this from happening. Think about what he said in that passage. He's seeking them out in the synagogues. He's looking for them, men, women, anybody. If you are saying that you're part of this, he's finding them and throwing them into jail. And at the same time, when someone's life was on the line, he was casting the vote to have them killed. The Apostle Paul 
one of our heroes, was killing Christians. How awkward was that later on when he transformed and he's hanging out with some of the people he put in jail? You ever think about that one? Like, how awkward would that be? Like, oh, hey, church, what's going on? Um, yeah, that was me, right? And so Paul is the epitome of regret. He now has to live in the fact that the very thing that he lives and dies for and is going to give his everything for and his very life for, he was part of trying to stop the movement and try to stop the very people that he's going to call family later on. Regret. Regret. The very Messiah he was waiting for, he was trying to protect his God the same time he was attacking that same Messiah and his people. And so Paul has his conversion, we find out a little bit later in the scriptures, where Jesus comes to him and in this vision he sees him and he's like blinded and he gets, Paul gets blinded for a time and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Regret. I can't imagine the feeling of when like God shows him all this and he sees it and he figures this out, how much weight was on him because this dude is a disaster and God uses him. This guy has such a messy past. God uses him as an instrument and he sends him to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And we're sitting here today as a part of the movement of Paul. What a crazy thought that this guy who like, he's not qualified to be a part of this. He is 100% not qualified and Jesus uses him. But imagine that regret. So a perfect example, because we have such a wrong view of people in the Bible. We have such a wrong view so many times of what it really means to follow Christ. We often look at the Bible and rightfully so, it holds in really high regard for the men and women of scriptures. But when we read the word, what we find out is that they are all hot flaming messes like you and me, except for one person, Christ. Christ is the only one. Jesus is the only one who doesn't have all this messy past. And we look at prophets, we look at kings, we look at his disciples. It is a big mess. Humans are a huge, monstrous mess. And even these heroes of our scriptures, these heroes, man, they mess things up. Let's take King David, for example. King David, uh, he was an all-time hero in the Old Testament, uh, one of the greatest kings of all time. King David, uh, you, maybe you're familiar with that story with him, if you heard David and Goliath and some of the stories of David. Here's what's fascinating about David. This is what David did. Greatest king of all time, greatest warrior, okay, sends out one of his men to the front line so that he is killed in war. So he has him killed, but like it's hidden because he slept with that dude's wife and she's pregnant. Whew. Regret, regret. And we watch David in the Psalms lament and have all this regret over what had happened. But over and over and over again, God uses people like Paul and David and you because I want you to hear this. Failure is not final. Failure is not final. Part of the reason we hold on and hold regret so much is that we look at our failure there as like the end point. It's the closing of a chapter. It's over. 
that that I'm done. I'm what I've done is oh, like I can't fix that. So it's over. It's in the past. And correct, it is over in the past. However, it's not final because God can transform everything in us for the future. The past no longer exists. The future does not exist. This moment does. And while we're in this moment, God is working in us to transform what we have done into what we can do. He's transforming us regardless of our past. He can take that, transform it to what he can do with us in the future because failure is not final. We are not qualified. We are messy, but God is love. And that's the beauty of it. Paul was not qualified. He's having everybody killed. He's having Christians killed. He's not qualified. But then God changes the world through him. Hopefully you feel some weight coming off right now, guys. Failure's not final. There is no ending to the greatness of what God can do. And when we hold regret without handing it to him and let him transform us for the future, in a lot of ways we're saying, God, we don't believe that you really forgive us. That's hard too, isn't it? Some of the stuff that we've done. And so the weight that we hold sometimes because of our regret and it's because we don't really know how to accept forgiveness. I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. But that's the beauty of our God is that he loves and forgives and loves and forgives over and over and over again. He's so patient with us. It's unbelievable. Listen to this. This is in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10a. Uh, Paul is again writing this. He says this, For I am the least of apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was without effect. Paul's like, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called like on your team. I persecuted God's people. I sent them to jail. I had them killed. But here's the thing. By God's grace, by God's grace, I'm being transformed. I am what I am because his grace has transformed me. He regretted his past, but he didn't let it stop receiving what God had for him going forward in God's grace because he's relying heavily on it because of what he had done. So our messy past should make us look at grace as the greatest thing in the entire world and have us lean into that because grace is the undeserved favor from God. Grace is undeserved favor from God and we get to lean into that knowing that there's nothing we can do. It's simply God's work. Like Paul, we have to admit it. We have to admit to our, and, and put on the table our regret so that God can transform us for the future. And so this is so key. So please hear this. If we choose to not acknowledge our feelings of regret, if we choose not to and we keep them hidden, we allow the pain of our past to limit our potential ministry God has for us to do through us in the future. If we just hold on and stuff it down and we don't let God do a work through us to transform us for the future, we're missing the beautiful ministry that God can be doing through you. Your past is gone. We repent, we give it to God, we move forward. It's often, man, we just gotta work through it. We harbor the regret, we don't wanna work through it. So I wanna do uh, just five practical things for you today of how do we do, ask the question, how do we get through this? Because it's hard and we sit in this. So Mark Altog has some very practical ways. He has seven powerful steps to overcoming regret. 
And uh, I just picked five that I really liked. There's seven. I like these five. Uh, they're powerful ones, and they can connect with you today. So write these down. Re-listen to this. Uh, make sure, and let's grab one. If we could grab one for those of us who are holding on to this regret, because today can be the day of freedom for us if we just start to transform now and hand it to God so that we can be in use for his ministry for us in the future. So listen to these. Number one, these are ways. How do we get through this power of overcoming regret? Number one, bring your regrets to God. Confessing, repenting of our sin that, that's created these feelings and receive the forgiveness God has for us. Listen in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Bring them to God. We don't want to talk to him necessarily about stuff of our past, but if this is hanging, he already, he already knows. Oh, talk to him about it. Embrace it. Go to him with it. Talk about what's going on in the past and confess and repent. Repent is this turning around. We don't keep doing the same thing. It's a 180. So saying, hey, God, I did this. Confess. God, I don't want to ever be a part of this again. Repent. Release. Because that is where forgiveness comes from. So bring your regrets to God. Repent. Confess. And release. Number two, forgive ourselves by remembering that the Spirit has set us free in Christ from all condemnation, sin, and death. Forgive ourselves by remembering the Spirit has set us free in Christ from condemnation of sin and death. Romans 8, 1-2 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the Son of the, the law of the Spirit, who gives us life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. It is Christ and Christ alone. It is His work that sets us free. It's because of Jesus that we are free. And what happens is that we don't own the fact that there's no condemnation, that we are actually free from all the junk. Now, to those who are exploring still, you're exploring Christianity, you're not sure where you are in this faith journey with Jesus. I'm going to just talk to you for a second right now, if you're still exploring this journey. On this journey, I, as a follower of Christ, uh, I'm free. I'm free. So when I'm talking about rele releasing regret and letting it go, that's the beauty of my faith journey. And if you're exploring, you've got probably all these different outside sources that you're like, I don't know if I like this and I don't like that. And, you know, there's just stuff and all these voices that are coming in. And what is Christianity really? Let me break it down to you very simply. Jesus Christ took the punishment of my sin and I'm free. And I should live like a free man. That doesn't mean I keep sinning and doing more sin because obviously we're talking about it because sin leaves regret. In fact, the transformation part is I want to be more like Jesus so I don't. I have less regret in my life and more success and, and changing the world with the gospel and being part of Jesus' story because he's changing me. I'm not better or worse than you. I'm just a free man. And when I die, and if you're not there and you haven't come to Christ, there's something the word says, I am free from my sin and those who die without Christ are guilty of their sin. Guilty. I'm free and it's not because I'm good. It's not, Paul wasn't good. He's free because of Christ. And that's what that verse is saying. We are free. And that's something I want you to explore, friend, today. Ask Christ as your savior. Be free with those who have called on him. 
it is such a joy to follow Jesus, not because we get everything right and I've got all my life together, because obviously I don't, but I'm free. I'm free. Come be free through Christ. Number three, focus on the next goal God is calling us to in Christ. Let's stop looking backwards. Let's start to look forward what God has in our future. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't have it all together, but this is the one thing I do. Forget what's behind. Go forward with what's going to happen in the future. Be transformed now for the kingdom. So now the goal is we have our pasts. We've repented. We let it go. We now have God transform us so we can be used now for his kingdom moving forward. Fortunately, sin leaves scars. And we can let go. And that's why, I mean, sin is just such a terrible thing. We're always scarred with it. But that scar doesn't have to define us anymore. Release and look now to what's the future. Number four, give thanks to God for his patience despite our shortcomings. Man, God's patient with us. He is so patient. And even though we have all these shortcomings, he is so patient with us. Listen to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will in you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. How do you realize God's patience? We celebrate and give thanks. We don't look and hold our head down for the past. Instead, we worship God for his patience with us and ask the question, how in the world do you still love me? I ask that question a lot of myself, all this stuff that goes on, the I should know betters. I mean, hopefully you're not messing up as much as I do, it seems, but it's, it's his patience and his love that he keeps coming back to over and over again. And so that brings us to a place of worship. It brings us to a place. That's why we sing the songs and that's why we are in the word. Give thanks in all circumstances that let your past and what has happened be transformed. Use it now, whatever it could be, to be forward for the kingdom and for what God can do in you and through you. Number five, surround yourself with Christian community, accountability, encouragement. Love technology. Look at what's happening today, right? Can't be there. Can use technology to connect. It's so awesome. Love it. But the truth of the matter is, it's not the same sitting in your home streaming sermons than it is being together. And when we surround ourselves in community, we start to bear the weight of life together. And we start to understand that we're all on the journey together. We need it for encouragement. We need it for accountability. Hebrews 10, 25. And let's consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need encouragement. I need encouragement because in my lowest of low points, it was people that came around me and brought me up. In the low points of my life, it was brothers and sisters in those valleys. When I'm sitting in that regret, in that weight, I'm sitting in it. Is people who walked with me on my journey, got me through it. And if it wasn't for my brothers and sisters, man, there were days I just didn't want to keep going. Didn't think I ever would get out. My brothers and sisters did. And that's why we have our church family, which I'm so thankful for. We have our small groups getting together one-on-one, cup of coffee. We do life together for a reason. Because life is hard. 
but failure's not final. Every single one of us, every single one, wish we'd go back. Put me in a time machine, put me back in time, I'd do all this different. Wish we could, but we can't. Failure's not final. So today, let's learn. Let's learn from the Apostle Paul. Acknowledge our sin, repent, let go of the past, be transformed to today, and look forward to what God has for us in the future. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.